Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and I'm the creator of the show Moms Don't Have Time to Move and Shake because none of us have time to exercise and work out. And me, I'm probably shaking a little bit more than I wish I were. This is going to be a community-hosted podcast, not by me, but by a collection of women all over the country who are going to share their stories, struggles, and solutions, some with their own guests on their episodes, some without. Each one will be a wonderful sampler of a story that you can relate to or that might help you. And I hope that you all enjoy it. Moms don't have time to move and shake. Get moving. Hi, my name is Stacy Freeman, and I'm here today to record an episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Move and Shake. I don't have time to move and shake, which is one of the reasons why I am recording this. And I have invited a very special guest. Uh, her name is Elise Abruzzi. She is the founder of HeraBeWell.com. She is a health supportive chef an integrative health coach, and a postpartum doula. And we are going to be discussing today an integrative approach to optimizing your health. So welcome, Elise. Thank you, Stacey. So before we get started, I just want to do a quick legal disclaimer. Um, we're going to have a fun conversation, but I do have to tell you that the views here are our own and not necessarily the same as those belonging to Zibby Owens Media. The information discussed is not a substitute for medical care or advice. Please consult a medical professional for further guidance. That said, we will get started. So Elise, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself and what you do? So I had my own personal health journey in my early 30s and kind of got into integrative medicine, functional medicine, alternative medicine. And when I started realizing how it could help me, I decided I wanted to make a career shift. And so I ended up originally going to Duke um, to train as an integrative health coach. And then through that process, I realized that I felt like particularly passionate about nutrition and food. And so I started blogging. Um, I had an old blog with a different name and I um, was doing all these classes, these public classes at my um, culinary school, Natural Gourmet Institute. And eventually after taking like over half a dozen public classes, I decided I wanted to do the professional uh, chef training at Natural Gourmet Institute. And I, um, it was such an amazing program. The school closed, but the curriculum is now available at ICE. So if you're interested in that curriculum, it's really amazing and mostly plant-based, definitely plant forward. And then recently after having two children, I realized how important it is for new moms, for women going through fertility, the process, the fertility process, and also new moms to have support, uh, particularly around nutrition, but also around lifestyle choices and understanding the implications of various lifestyle choices. And so that's why I found, founded Harabee Well, because even as like a, tr like I have a lot of trainings, it's even been hard for me to prioritize my diet, prioritize getting enough, act like, I don't like to say exercise, but like 
physical activity in my life. Um, and so I think having, being able to offer coaching and also, um, like personal chefing for new moms is like a really great support that they could, they could use. Great. So one of the reasons why I wanted to speak with you today, and I know we spoke last week and I, I, cannot get enough of talking to you because you're just such a wealth of information. Um, I've been having my own struggles. Um, I am turning 50. I can't even believe I'm saying that in September. And I've had some challenges weight-wise, which really are kind of foreign to me. Um, I was, as a young girl, and I'm sure a lot of moms kind of, you know, uh, attest to this too. Um, I, you know, never really had to worry about what I ate. And all of a sudden, you know, after kids, you know, it was a little bit slower to lose the weight. My kids are now um, 21, 20, and 17. So, you know, I don't really want to say I have baby weight that I'm carrying around, but, you know, I kind of do. And I just, you know, it just became, you know, harder to lose weight over the years. Plus, I th think my eating habits are not the same as when I was young. I never really thought about food. I really love to eat. I really enjoy a great meal. Um, and so I think during the pandemic, this all kind of came to a head for me. And I think it was just a perfect storm of all of a sudden I wasn't going for those walks after dinner I, you know, I was eating more and then I went for blood work and it was kind of out of whack. I went because I wasn't feeling quite right. You know, everything I could have kind of written off, you know, because of the pandemic and, you know, maybe I wasn't feeling kind of up or, you know, just not moving around, eating poorly, but something wasn't quite right. I did go for blood work and uh, I discovered that I have Hashimoto's disease um, the very early stages of it. I'm not on medication yet, but this is something I'm monitoring. And, um, you know, I picked up about 13 pounds, you know, in a month's time, which was, you know, a big red flag for me. But again, I could have kind of written it off and said, okay, this is because of the pandemic and my new, let's say lifestyle, which wasn't really, you know, great. And, um, you know, I want to now address these issues and I want to come at it from different approaches, which is why you're the perfect person to speak to, because it's not like you'll just say, okay, you know, here's what you need to do in your refrigerator. Here's what you, you know, it's not just one, one thing. You're not going to say, okay, you need to get on, you know, the bicycle or, you know, walk eight miles a day. It's going to be a little bit of a few things that will all hopefully come together and I can get back on a path towards health and wellness. So why don't you kind of guide me? And, you know, my story, I think, is a lot like, you know, other people's. So I think it's very relatable. Totally. So the first thing is nutrition. And I would say that like a whole foods plant forward diet has become like the most recommended diet generally. I mean, if you talk to like any different type of professional, they would say not necessarily strictly plant-based, but if you're eating a lot of vegetables, like 10 servings of vegetables a day is the recommendation for most 
10 people in the know, 10. I mean, but a serving is not a huge amount. So you could eat like three servings at a meal. Um, Like if you have like, like a sweet potatoes, like a spinach and then Brussels sprouts or whatever, you know, whatever floats your boat in terms of different combinations, but it's easy to get. Yeah. Like 10 would be ideal. Um, Cause the, the concept is that you're going to crowd out the bad food with all the vegetables. Um, fruits are really great too. For anyone who is struggling with like insulin resistance or think they might have like a sugar addiction or anything like that, try to limit it to like two to three servings of fruit a day, preferably things like berries because they're, they don't spike your insulin as, as much. And so though I have like an addiction to dried, like mangoes and dried, <laughs> dried pineapples are so good. But generally I don't, I don't personally have like an insulin issue at this time. And then also things like legumes are so underappreciated in our society, which means like beans, lentils, peanuts are actually a legume. So obviously I'm not if you're allergic, but it's really great to incorporate beans, nuts, seeds into your diet, all plant-based sources of fats and fiber and protein. And then also different types of whole grains and like whole grain processed foods is better than white flour processed foods, but optimally you'd literally be making quinoa or farro or frica. There's so many different kinds of barley, all different kinds of whole grains that you can just like cook up like rice. So it's not difficult. It's really not difficult. And actually all the grains you can cook the way you would cook pasta instead of having to like measure the amount of the grain and exactly how much water and then set the timer, you actually can cook it like pasta. And then like five minutes before whatever the time is on the package, test it and see if it, if it tastes right to you. You know, you don't want it to be crunchy, but you don't want it to be smush unless you're making something like a porridge, congee, something like that, then, then oh, risotto. Super easy then, because I, I am good in the kitchen, but I wouldn't say that I am a chef by any stretch of the imagination, but I can work my way around a kitchen, but some of these things sound very foreign to me and, you know, a little bit intimidating. So I just want to make sure that also time constraints, you know, I work full time. I still have kids in and out of the house. Um, I am actually recording in my bathroom because I still have a kid at home. So if anyone is out there with little kids like you, Elise, um, and you think that you will be able to go to the bathroom in peace and maybe, you know, 10 years time. Um, it's not a given. I'm here to tell you that. Um, someone will knock on the door. And I, I do have to say, um, as someone who's 49, I do call my mother and she is always in the bathroom. I, I say to her and I'm 49 and she's, I think, 75. How come you're always in the bathroom? So I think it doesn't end. But um, I just, for the mom on the go, um, I think that's just, you know, a permanent state. Um, of being, how do I do this efficiently? And that, you know, I can make it a part of my life without really having to think a lot about it and really, you know, spend endless times in, you know, the grocery store and then prep time. And I'm willing to prep because I like doing things in advance and to pull it from the, the fridge or the freezer, but I can't make this my life. So how do I, how do I start this process? 
there's a few different options. You can prep on like a Sunday or Saturday and prep for the week, which some people prefer. That's not like generally what I do, but it's, but what I do is maybe not the most efficient. And I also am a little bit funny about like committing to what I'm eating like days in advance. <laughs> so for me, like the, the Sunday prep thing isn't I understand ideal. that because do you really want to eat the same meal? I see people, I, I'm sort of, I have a new addiction to reels and I see people, <laughs> it's bad addiction. Um, <laughs> I see people prepping the same meal five days in a row. Do I really want to have that, you know, that same piece of chicken every day? And it kind of, I don't get it. I really wouldn't. And I think, you know, if I did this on a Sunday by Thursday, I really would be looking for something else and then wasting food. I don't understand it. So do you recommend preparing two meals or how do you do it or freezing? Yeah. So I usually try to make enough for like two meals. So I have leftovers and you can either eat the leftovers for lunch, like the next day or two or dinner the next day or two. So prepping like Two meals at a time is a little bit more efficient than one meal at a time. It's harder when you have like four adults in your like in your house where your kids are big enough to be eating like adult sized portions. Then you have to make <laughs> more food. So maybe you're making like two boxes of pasta, or you're making three cups of a whole grain, or whatever it is. And so I would say, yeah, try to figure out what one portion is, and then if your kids aren't going to eat it as leftovers, if they're going to be like working or going to school and they have packed their own lunch, then you only have to make like one extra portion for yourself for the next day for lunch. Mm -hmm. So for grains, one cup of grains is two to three cups of, of cooked. And so you can translate that if you want to eat like a half a cup of, of a cooked grain, then you can do the ratios and then you want to have like enough for the rest of your family and, and for leftovers, then just kind of use that ratio. The say it's one, one cup dry to depends on the grain, two to three cups of cooked. And what's the balance? So you don't eat chicken obviously, but say I want a piece of chicken or a piece of fish what is the balance? How many you saying? You're saying a cup of rice, right? Um, yeah, a dry cup of rice equals a dry like cup three. Of rice. A dry cup of rice. If you put like a cup into and then you add it, do pasta style, the way you cook it, mm-hmm. and then you're going to end up with once you strain it, you're going to end up with like three cups of cooked rice. So that potentially would be six servings. So if you have uh-huh. a family of four, then you have a dinner. And then you have like another serving or two, depending. I mean, I don't know if you're like measuring a half a cup for everyone or not, um, but you'll potentially have like an extra serving or two that you can use for lunch or dinner. Am I watching ounces of fish or am I measuring or is it just, is the goal here just to eat healthy and and make it simple? So I, I generally would say eat healthy. And if you eat enough vegetables, you're going to crowd out the other stuff. Mm-hmm. So like if you're making a plate, ideally like half your plate is vegetables. And then you're going to have maybe like a starch, either like sweet potatoes or a grain. Um, and then a protein, whether that's 
For me, it's like usually beans, legumes, tofu. For you, it could be three ounces of like an animal protein. And so that would be, you know, like the other side of your, like it could be like sweet potatoes, a grain, and then, and then like either beans or, or an animal protein on the other half of your plate. And like the, when I say vegetables are the other half, I mean like leafy, leafy greens or non-starchy. So not sweet potatoes or potatoes, carrots, are supposed to be a little bit starchy so and a little bit higher in sugar. So probably not that, but like any cruciferous vegetable, broccoli, cauliflowers, grates, and cauliflower, they've like made it into like all sorts of things. They have riced cauliflower and you can make cauliflower steak. Wow, <laughs> I just I like that I haven't had. <laughs> yeah, you just like cut it into strips. And sometimes like the ends kind of break apart. And so you have like little cauliflower florets, but like usually you can get like four steaks out of a head of cauliflower and then you just like season it and roast it and it comes out pretty good. I mean, it doesn't taste like a steak, but they call it like vegetarian. (laughs) But okay. So real quick, I wake up in the morning. Um, I want to get to other areas that, you know, that impact my overall health. The areas I I need to know what to get up and make in the morning. If I'm eating breakfast, no breakfast. I'm always confused about that. How many meals, two or three meals, uh, and whether or not I'm having snacks and, you know, the old Oprah, you know, saying don't eat after 6 PM. I don't think Oprah started that, but she was very big with that. And then sleep is a major, major problem for, for me, uh, for a lot of moms who are working, they have kids and you kind of just want to power down at night and you need that alone time. Um, so I do want to talk about sleep and then exercise, uh, after that, because, um, that again, same thing, time, time, time. How do I work all of this in while working, taking care of my house, which is always, running away and um, with itself, laundry. How do I do all this? It just seems like a lot. You know, depending on how demanding your job is, it is a lot. Like to some extent, we have to just prioritize and say like, I'm willing to do X amount of work and I need to also take care of my health because if I have, if I have bad health, like I have nothing. And so if you're feeling sick, you're not going to be efficient at your job and you're not going to be able to be present for your family the way you would want to be. So you just have to, you have to set boundaries. It's boundary setting is super important. I would say figure out from like a nutrition perspective, what works for you in terms of prep and try to do it efficiently, whether it's setting a half hour in the evening to do it and eating like eating kind of quick on the go things for breakfast and lunch. Smoothies are really great overnight oats, chia seed pudding are all things that like take five minutes to prep. And then for lunch, salads are great. If you need to pick up a salad at Chopped, it's totally okay. Don't beat yourself up. I mean, just discovered pliables. (laughs) And so like, yeah, I mean, any kind of bowl where it's lots of vegetables, some whole grains, and maybe like a protein is, is like a really good option. So breakfast, yes, have a smoothie. So generally, I think like having two to three square meals a day is optimal. I'm not a big snacker. I find that like when I eat little meals, I'm just like constantly hungry and and it's 
I didn't, I wasn't thinner when I was doing that. There was, I don't know, I didn't find any benefit to eating little meals. But depending on your constitution, maybe like if you're if you're generally like a slim person and you're kind, you 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 prefer smaller portions, then maybe the little meals work for you. Have to kind of like experiment a little bit and figure out what works for you. So it's just I I follow a lot of kind of health professionals in different capacities, and Dan Butner is like the guy who wrote all the books about the blue zones, which are places in the world where people live disproportionately over a hundred. And he was saying that in a lot of the blue zone or, or particularly in Loma Linda, where there's a lot of Seventh-day Adventists who are predominantly vegetarian, they eat like one meal around like late morning and then another meal like late afternoon. And that's typically what they do. And if you're living to 100, I feel like that's kind of amazing, especially if you're living to like an active old age, which is really important. You don't want to be like kind of bedridden at 100. But if you're just kind of being an active person into your hundreds, that's really amazing. So that's kind of what I do also is like a late morning meal. And then I eat with my kids. I actually am all about the early bird special meal. I <laughs> love five that. o'clock. Yeah, I love to eat early. So, so that's ideal. And so, but if you're the type of person that like wakes up and you're hungry, then have three meals and have a breakfast, a lunch, and a dinner. I always fed my children like what the way you're saying. I always fed my children four or five. You know, six o'clock was already getting late, but it's like that nighttime craving. And you and I spoke about having broth at night. Um, and I tried that last week instead of tea. And you had suggested tea as well. If you have those kind of late afternoon or late evening cravings, you know, instead of reaching for the cookies or um, something fattening, you know, and this is not about weight loss. This is about, you know, becoming healthier in your general lifestyle. You had suggested certain teas and then herbal um, teas and broth. So yeah. I tried that last week. I put, um, I, I know you had suggested bone broth. I'm not up to that yet. I really want to make it myself, but I, I had chicken broth and uh, my daughter and I sat there instead of having a cup of tea, we sat there at our kitchen Island having chicken broth. So why don't you- And was it good? Did you, was, was that like enough for you? It was, it was surprisingly more satisfying than I would have thought. And I think it filled me up more than tea. So why don't you talk about the bone broth a little bit more? Because um, I found that fascinating. Yeah. So there's collagen. There's all these like healthy proteins in in a liquid. And it's such a great way to use all of the animal. Because obviously I'm like, I'm plant-based. I don't eat meat generally. I did try the bone broth thing. And I think after like almost 20 years of being a vegetarian, it's like not my thing. I'd rather have like a mushroom broth or something. But, but does for that people work? who... Yeah, I think it does. I mean, if it's if it tastes savory enough and that's what you're craving, then it'll work. If you want like more of a sweet thing, if you're the person who reaches for ice cream at 10 o'clock at night, then maybe try to get like an herbal tea that's like on, a, on the sweeter side um, to kind of help you with that craving. So I think it depends in part on what you're craving in the evenings. The bone, the bone broth. broth is super hydrating also. Uh. Like... So a lot of people think that like sometimes they feel they they think they're feeling hungry but actually they're just thirsty. 
And so a lot of like health professionals will recommend like drink something, either broth or herbal tea or water and wait, wait 15, 20 minutes and see how you feel. And maybe you were just thirsty. You weren't hungry. And if you're still hungry, then eat something, eat a small snack. If you're, if you're really like that hungry, just a tablespoon of peanut butter or two tablespoons of peanut butter or some nuts or something to make it so that you're not going to wake up. You're not going to be like not sleeping well because you were starving at night. You don't, you don't want to go or to bed thirsty. hungry to the point where it's disrupting your sleep because sleep is super important. Or, or thirsty. thirsty. So, but don't drink so much that you have, which is my problem. <laughs> I can drink so much that I'm like waking up to pee like four times a night. So that's not great either. Ideally, like waking up once in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom as you get older is like a common occurrence. But yeah, if you're waking up like three times a night, you're probably drinking too much. Actually, my, my strangely, my toilet is waking me up at night. It makes this strange high pitched sound at three o'clock in the morning. It's been doing this for like a week. And it's this ear piercing sound. I, I need to figure out what this is. It's, it's the other direction, and I don't understand. But um, it's it's not hilarious in the middle of the night. And the other night it was totally. twice horrible. So yes, that sleep is so important. I wake up, and I, it was my intention. You know, it's always my intention to go to sleep earlier. But I'm definitely not drinking enough during the day. So how much should I be drinking? realistically? And does it have to just be water? It does not have to just... Okay. So you should be drinking eight, eight ounce cups of like water or non-caffeinated beverages a day, ideally. So, and not really sugary beverages either. So like it could be an herbal tea. It could be infused water. Like if you don't like the taste of regular water, then stick some cucumber slices or some lemon slices, orange. I make like this whole infused water that I made for you when you came. It was like, I put some orange slices, some lemon slices, some mint leaves, some sage leaves. Sage is not good if you're um, breastfeeding. It can impact your milk supply in a negative way. So don't don't do sage. Don't do any kind of sage teas or sage infusions if you're breastfeeding. But other than that, sage is really delicious. Ginger is a really great way to flavor your water. And they all have like great health benefits as well. If you want to like muddle it and so it really gets infused, that's a great way too. Instead of just like sticking them in the water, kind of like using. So I don't need to buy some fancy infuser. I can just do this in a. No, just strain it. Buy like a tea strainer. Yeah, I love one. And so if you, so that it doesn't, if you don't want to get like the pulp or whatever it is. I don't need to go shopping. I don't, this isn't going to be a huge project. No. Now real water. real quick, let's talk exercise. I'm not a runner. I wish I was a runner. I've tried it. Doesn't work for me. I have gone through stages, especially after my divorce uh, about 10 years ago when I just, for my mind, and I know, you know, walking is great, but I became this mega walker. It's hilly where I live. I was up and down hills. I was walking four and a quarter miles in the morning, four and a quarter miles at night. I had just three pound weights or five pound weights worked out, you know, looked and felt great aside from everything that was going on. I I felt good. And then I just have kind of 
slowed it down. I think everything's working together against me as I'm, as you know, my life is now, you know, too tired, not cooking appropriately, grabbing things. Um, so when you and I were together last week and we were chatting up a storm, so, so many things to do, you had even suggested that, you know, if you want to get in a quick workout, even running up and down your stairs in your house. So why don't you talk to me about these little things that you think don't count actually do. And you said something about the laundry, folding the laundry, please like, yeah, tell me. Sitting is not as good as standing. Standing is not as good as moving, like walking or, I mean, you don't have to run. Like I don't run. I used to run and it was hard on my knees. It wasn't great for my joints. I like it's not for me. If you are really good at like strength training and supporting your muscles and the joints around them, then you can be a runner. But I, I just don't have the like interest to do that. So little things, little f- pieces of physical activity add up. Like gardening is a physical activity that you're moving around, you're on your knees, you're standing up, you're going to get different plants. And so it actually is very physical. Even just standing and doing dishes, you're moving your arms, you're walking around your kitchen. That's physical activity. Sitting in a chair at a computer, that is not physical activity. And so just don't underappreciate all the physical activity that you do throughout the day, running around your house, folding your laundry, standing up, folding your laundry, like at a table is better than sitting down and doing it. So do you recommend to someone like me, I'm a writer. That's what I do all day. Do I get a standing desk? My husband has a standing desk. Really? Um, yeah, he has, and it goes up and down. So if you want to sit, you can sit and it, and then it like, it, it plugs in and you can, Mm-hmm. raise it. And even better, there's people who have like treadmill desks, but it, I don't know, some people can't work like that. Or like putting some sort of exercise equipment in your office and then setting little times throughout the day when you realize you have like a five minute window of just mm-hmm. doing some squats or or running up your stairs. Like you were saying, like I really probably go up up and down my stairs just in the morning. Like half a dozen to a dozen times. Cause it's like, I, I go down and prep the kid's stuff and I go up and get one kid ready. Then I have to get the other kid ready. Then I forgot something. And it's just like, I know, so many <laughs> but then also walking outside is really great. I do think that like taking at least 15 minutes to go and do some just walking or some sort of physical activity, doing some stretches on a yoga mat, something like that outside and getting some fresh air is really good. If you could do it 15 minutes twice a day, that's even better. If you could do an hour, that's great. You know, I've actually started if I'm, you know, if I have a call, just, you know, a non-work call or, you know, a client that maybe, um, you know, I'm very familiar with, I'll walk outside and I'll walk up and down my driveway speaking, you know, to the person. So at least I'm moving and I'm, you know, out in the sun for a little bit because it can get to the point where, you know, I don't, um, even see daylight. It's like, I, uh, you know, I have windows around me, but I don't ever actually walk outside and feel warmth on me. So I started doing that. And I think that has been, um, you know, great for lifting my mood. So totally. to go back to the blue zones, they, a lot of them are gardeners. A lot of them are shepherds, you know, they're in the sun all day and they wear hats and they wear long sleeves and stuff. They do, they take care of protecting their, their skin to some extent, but also 
having some exposure on your hands, a little bit on your face throughout the day can actually improve your vitamin D level. So many Americans are like vitamin D deficient. Right here. And, and actually that can impact your mood, impact like other processes in your body. And so definitely getting all of your like vitamin levels checked would be a good thing for everyone to do. And if you can't, if you just don't have the time, if you work in a very like office centered, like have to be in the office kind of job, then supplement, you know, but like make sure you're supplementing appropriately. Our, unfortunately, our, the food we eat is not as nutritious as the food that people were eating like a hundred years ago because of soil depletion and because of how lo- we're not eating locally. So our food travels really far. They're, they're uh, harvesting it before it's ripe and it's ripening as it's like in a box somewhere or even in your house. Like I bought nectarines and they didn't get ripe until like five days after I bought them. And I'm like, these are obviously, they're harvesting them way before they're ripe. So I definitely think figuring out what you need. So this you ha- this is the integrative approach is as I, I can't tell you what you need. You need to go to a doctor and get the diagnostics done. And then if you come to me and say, I'm deficient in X, Y, and Z, then we can work on filling those gaps with food. And you can also do supplementation because like I said, our food is a little bit depleted, <laughs> especially conventionally grown pro- food that's not grown in in soil where they're rotating. Cause like, if you think about it, what farmers used to do is they had, they had different types of livestock and their plants and they used to rotate so that they made sure that the soil was fertilized. And now it's like, we're growing the same thing on the same plot of land and just not being super thoughtful about it. So. Wow. I did not know that. Yeah. There's a lot of like agricultural history that we don't think about. (laughs) Interesting. Okay, so to wrap up real quick, five five quick tips to get me started or anyone listening, just what can we do today just to start to get the ball rolling? Okay, so the first thing would be to eat whole foods, obviously, as I said, and this is a Michael Pollan quote. So eat foods, not too much, mostly plants. And what he means by food is he means whole foods. Um, so if you if you could pluck it off a plant, uh, then that's like a whole food or, or a fish and you see the filet is straight from a fish. The other thing we were kind of discussing in terms of food is not eating a ton late in the, in the day. And so Dan Buettner, I found this quote that I really like um, from Seventh-day Adventist and Loma Linda said, breakfast like a king, lunch like a prince, dinner like a pauper, which is a, a quote. And so I think that's really good advice. Like try to have a heavier breakfast, lunch, and um, a lighter dinner and, and eat your dinner earlier. So that's the first one in terms of food, food advice. Um, the second one would be get out in nature and move. So don't just, I mean, having a Peloton is super convenient, but really ideally, like if you could get out and like walk, my mom walks this lake in her town and she's super healthy. She gets a lot of vitamin D. She's, she's, in her early sixties and she is like really thriving. She's in some, some respects because of all of her physical activity, I think healthier than I am. (laughs) And so that's really great. But if you don't like walking, try swimming, you know, like I have a friend who does triathlons and she actually swims 
in the Long Island Sound. Do yoga. You could get a wetsuit um, or do yoga on your deck or your patio. But get get some outdoor time and some physical activity all at the same time. And I personally, and my mom would attest to this too, that like I find water to be very grounding. And so I, lo- I live in Greenwich and I love walking at Todd's Point. It's so beautiful. You're walking and you're constantly having views of the water, but it doesn't have to be like an ocean view. It could be a lake, a river. There's a river in, in Stamford, the Mayanis River, that there's like this liver- river walk right on the border of Greenwich and Stamford that I like to do too. So the third thing I would say is take time to breathe. Try meditating. A lot of people say they like, have a hard time with meditating. I do too. I'm like constantly thinking. And so it's hard to clear your mind. But if you could, if you could work up to potentially 20 minutes a day of, of meditating or breath work, you know, like in Ayurveda, they do different types of like, where you, you cover one side of your nose and you're, there's different types of breath work in Ayurveda and they're in on YouTube. You can look it up different things that for different health concerns. Um, it's really cool. Also something I teach my kids in terms of breathing is that like, if you're feeling like a strong emotion, anger, frustration, take like a few breaths and it really helps you like calm down and gain perspective of like how you want to move forward. And so that's another way to integrate breath in your day. Fourth thing would be make time for your passions. If you can make it if you can turn your passions into career, which I'm kind of doing with my second career, I worked in real estate before my health journey. That's amazing because then you're doing it all the time and you're being able to be passionate about your work is a gift. And many people can do it if they figure out how to transition. Because I, I was going to culinary school I was, while I was still working in real estate and pregnant. So like, <laughs> I managed to do it. So you just kind of like make a plan and then pursue your passion. And if you don't, if you, for financial reasons or logistical reasons, you want to stick with your current career and it's not necessarily what you're like super passionate about, then you have to try to make time for your passion, whether it's in the evenings or on the weekends, even if it's just like once a month going to a painting class or whatever makes Right. Everybody needs that outlet to be creative. Exactly. What they love. But that's really a whole good separate podcast health. episode. I can talk endlessly about pursuing your passion. passion. Have a whole other discussion. And number and five, then the last one, five is find your tribe. Um, community is super important for mental health. Um, COVID's been really horrible for people's mental health and social involvement. And we've been separated and Zoom is not necessarily like a great... I mean, it's it's great in some respects, but it's not the same as like giving someone a hug. You know, it's not the same feelings you were talking about, like the endorphins you release when you, <laughs> when you hug someone. And so having like a dynamic conversation where you're able to like read someone's like... Body, body, body language. language and stuff, yeah, is really great. Um, and so whether it's joining a church group or volunteering at your children's school with like-minded parents that are kind of in your community or whatever whatever you feel passionately about volunteering at a soup kitchen, you know, like once a month. We used to do that in the city through our temple. Like whatever makes you feel part of a community and 
and and particularly giving back, you know, like doing things for other people actually makes you feel good. And so I would say being part of something bigger than yourself, helping others, and then graciously receiving help when you need it would really be optimal for mental and physical health. Great. Thank you so much. <laughs> Those are all great tips. I'm going to start implementing um, a lot of them. I'm going to start today, I promise. Um, so where can we find you? So um, my website is www.herabewell.com. And so that's herabewell. And on Instagram, it's at herabewell no spaces or, or punctuation. And so you can follow me. I post some fun like meal ideas and other lifestyle ideas. And if you want to work with me, go to my website and you can submit like uh, on the info page, your information and I will get back to you. Great. Thank you so much, Elise. This was so much fun. I could talk to you probably for three hours. Um, I really appreciate um, all of the information that you uh, provided. And I'm going to start today. I've actually, since our discussion last week, have have been gluten-free for about a week. So, you know, oh, so I'm far, really so good. Yeah. Oh, good. All right. Well, thank you so much for this opportunity too. I really appreciate being able to have this chat and um, being able to help others, hopefully, too. Great. Thank you so much. I'll speak to you soon. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Move and Shake. Get moving.